Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Martin. Hey, great to have you with us, and we're delayed by a day. Yes. Um, delayed by good weather, held up, but you're, you've been doing something very important yes. in your world. Can you tell our listening audience? Uh, Are we talking about the patio? We, yeah, we decided to build a patio in our backyard. We changed, we upgraded our garage to a new, spanking new single car, tiny garage that comes with urban living. But we decided while we're at, why not make it even worse by building a patio ourselves? And so, pretty impressive, bullet. folks. I saw this man with. Uh, what do you call that thing that vibrates on the ground? It's a plate compactor. A plate compactor. Yeah. So he even speaks the lingo. And he had crusher finds. He had sand. His wife was putting these big slabs of stone down. And the experts came by. Gave you a pretty good... Yeah, they course corrected a little bit. But we're happy with the end result. It looks good. It's a weekend well spent. And with that weekend, looking at Sandeep and his wife, Nadia, working so hard, we invited them over for what was our taste testing. We stacked 100% grass-fed ground beef up against the 100% impossible burger. Taste test. It was Taste just test. comparison. Right. Not scientific. We're not food experts. We don't. No. We can't grade a piece of meat on parameters. However, I did some research, Sandeep, yeah. okay. and the one thing Sandeep noticed was with the Impossible Burger that it was dripping, oozing blood, and they did make that mm-hmm. as one of the things. We tried to get Upside Foods on the bandwagon, albeit late, and I still haven't given up. Upside Foods is one of the companies that's out there. It's founded by this Dr. Uma Valati, who is a doctor that worked at Mayo Clinic in stem cell development. And it's just a fascinating read to see that this guy's working up there in, of course, Rochester, Minnesota. That's not a, a, a vacation destination. Yeah. Um, nothing much else to do except... No. I'm sure if you're playing with stem cells, you're like saying, man, I, I, I better turn this into something with a little more interest. So he started this uh, whole thing, called it Memphis Meats for a while. Now it's Upside Down Food, or up, upside. upside Food. Maybe that's not, why they didn't... Maybe Upside Down... <laughs> would be a better name. I don't know. (laughs) Turning the world upside down. But suffice it to say, we are still holding out hope that at some point they might come around and give us what they call cultured meat, lab-grown meat. But let's talk, first of all, about our taste test between the grass-fed and the Impossible Burger. What was your first initial feeling about we ripped open the package of Impossible Burger? Yeah. And... There was, it was an interesting situation. Yeah, there was a whiff of something. My wife said it smelled like cocoa bean or Pepto-Bismol. And I think you smelled a little cocoa or coffee bean. Yeah, there was weird. It it smelled when you lay down those uh, cocoa chips for landscaping. And there's a little bit of that kind of weird whiff to it. Once you put it down on the grill, it fairly held its own integrity. That was the amazing thing. Yeah. I I didn't think it was going to do that but it did oozed blood for us yeah or fake blood we cooked them both on the same grill same temperature same amount of time and the organic beef tasted like 
Beef. Beef. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. And uh, the Impossible Burger, what'd you think? I'm not an expert. In, I can't, I'm not, I don't have a discerning palate when it comes to beef, but it tasted okay. It tasted something that I would get at a burger shop. Not a fancy burger shop, but decent, like a, maybe a Whopper or a McDonald's. So it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrific, but it wasn't bad either. I didn't outright reject it because it tasted like tofu or... Right. Like, it's kind of like those industrial burgers you get yeah. at a store that would be like uh, 20 to a pack or something like that. And you throw yeah. them down, they just a little bit of filler to them. Sure. It was light, lighter in color. It didn't have that hemoglobin effect. The ingredients also for the Impossible Burger was interesting. That It was mainly based from pea flour. Pea protein, I think. But they add some chemicals to it to give right. it the texture and the consistency and some taste of meat. So this is why we're addressing this right now, because we are in the throes of climate change, especially middle class. We have to bite the burger, so to speak, come up with a new way of living. The temptation is to have beef, though. Yeah, people want protein. People like beef. It's beef is popular in America. That's what we throw down on the grill. It's what you find in McDonald's, which is the largest food processor in America. It's yeah, millions of school lunches every day. The, the burger is the staple. So there's a lot of beef that's made and sold. And if we are going to fight climate change, and we know that growing cattle is the major producer of greenhouse right. gases. So the question is, are they onto something here? Yeah, and I think one tasty little fact, throwing in all those food adjectives, was that according to PETA, so you got to take that source for what it is, people for the ethical treatment of animals, not people eating tasty animals, as Homer Simpson <laughs> said. They said on one hamburger, the fuel consumption for one of your hamburgers is the equivalent to driving a car 20 miles. Now, if that is to be believed, then we really do have a problem. The big thing about the whole beef and cattle industry is the amount of methane, the greenhouse gases. Maastricht University had a little fact sheet, and Maastricht University is a great place <laughs> because I'm sure they know all about beef or not beef. But look at this, livestock farming for meat is responsible for 18% of all greenhouse emissions more than all global transport combined. Think yeah. about that. That's just, that's hard to believe. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, greenhouse gases for just a very small part of our diet. So let's take a little break here. We've got more facts coming at you, and we're going to be right back on our taste test step one on the way to climate accountability. You're listening to Strung Out. Just a touch would mean so much Would it kill you to try You do try You do try Just a word whisper To keep me hanging on Hanging on Hanging on Baby, only friends 
Go to martinmccormack.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get the latest blog from Marty, information about upcoming podcasts, and what's happening in the gallery. That's martinmccormack.com. Back, Sandeep. I know that you could talk all night about uh, <laughs> cultured meat. First of all, I think I think the cultured meat industry has a problem. They they need to change their name. I think they have to come up with something that people are going to feel like I could again. I was yeah. going to go for another pun. Sink my teeth into. They have to market. They have to market. That comes probably later. And I keep focusing in on the the, the lab grown meat because I really think in some ways that's where it's going to have to turn because. Like you said, it, it felt like a burger that you get at maybe, I wouldn't say the, the impossible burger at uh, Burger King because that's kind of weird. Any burger you get from Burger King, even the chicken thing tastes like it was charboiled. They must dip it in something. But there is, with the impossible, the plant-based protein, you get this feeling of just something that's not 100% there, but it's good enough. And uh, so cultured meat. Just want to read some more facts coming from Maastricht University. To maximize welfare, cultured beef uses cells from cows from farms which do not farm intensively. The cultured beef burger may seem expensive, but it would be a lot cheaper when techniques to large-scale productions are perfected. The first cultured meat hamburger cost um, over $300,000 for one burger. The price equivalency now of a lab-grown hamburger to a Whopper is $11 to $6. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to look at a price fall. Now the question is, can they mass produce the amount of hamburgers? There's an Israeli company called Future Foods. They said this summer they're going to generate 5,000 burgers a day. So it's happening. And another little fact here is it takes 20,000 small strands of cultured beef to create one normal-sized hamburger. Let me ask you this, Marty. Did you like the taste of it? Would you, would you reject it if you ate if it I in a restaurant? It, if, if I didn't know that it was that when I ate it, I don't think I would have been any the wiser. I would have just said, this burger was made in a different way from burgers that I've had. So when you do... The interesting thing, sitting it side by side with organically grown, no hormones, no nothing kind of uh, beef is there's a, the fat, even in grass fed organic meat, you taste the fat. And uh, one of the visual things we saw with the Beyond Meat patty was that it had like even little globules, mm-hmm. mock fat yeah. in it. So. In short, yeah, I, I think if I was none the wiser, if somebody said to me, yeah, have a hamburger, I would eat it and I'd be like a hamburger. I think one of the things, though, that they have to come up with the Impossible Burger is they have to have that meat, again, in strands in such a way that you can form a patty because everybody has a different way of, of cooking beef, making their own burgers and that sort of thing. So the idea of somebody just handing you a finished burger or like a frozen patty, I don't think it's going to really work. And that's the interesting thing about cultured meat is that they're trying to figure out how can they replicate actual meat to the point where you have... You can't really even tell the difference. You couldn't tell the difference. difference. From the research I did, the 
cultured meat is very much like the Impossible Burger, that you don't have the dark red hemoglobin. And yeah. that might not necessarily be a turnoff. Right. But the other thing they're trying to figure out right now is how to create steaks. So do you see yourself going to a supermarket and buying this again? Let's say the price is it's cheaper than a normal burger. That's a really good question. I don't know. What about you? If you had the opportunity to get cancer-grown yeah. beef or lab-grown cultured beef. Sure. I think if I were to, if, if I had, I usually don't have burgers that often. Mm -hmm. But if it was a summer barbecue, yeah, I'd do it maybe twice a year. Then sure, I'll go for the original meat. You'd go for the original, I the original beef. Because there's a sense of occasion. It's like right. saying, I want a wild-caught salmon because it's a big birthday party or an anniversary dinner. Mm -hmm. Sure, I want to splurge on the original thing. I think it's funny you bring that up because you and I, we talked about this extensively that the problem is the image. It's the image, the packaging, the way of presenting this in such a way that you feel like you're not getting soil and green. Sure. You're getting something that has a little status tied to it. Yeah, I would also argue that most people don't grill their own burgers on a regular basis. Many people buy a pre-made burger from a fast food chain, a diner, a restaurant, or a cafeteria. And it was funny, I was trying to find some facts about that because I think that is a really good point. I think we can naturally assume that most people do just, it's yeah. the drive-through culture. Yeah. I think that these companies are really trying to go after. Yeah. And then when you start getting into weird stuff like steaks, now you're going to have to really uh, start working. You're thinking of zapping the, the muscle strands with electricity so that they can mm. contract and basically form the fiber that would replicate a steak. Let's take a little break right here. We have been talking about the impossible burger and comparing it next to uh, a real burger and uh, waxing about cultured meat, whether we'll ever eat it. You're listening to Strung Up. Flowing anyway Flowing away 
podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the gifts of support we receive from listeners like you. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not send in your gift of love? 
Go to martinmccormack.com and click on the donate button. Okay, we're back. I just want to see if there's anything else here as far as meat and cultured meat and beyond meat. Here's one more fact from Maastricht University I think people would find interesting. Cells from a single cow could produce 175 million million quarter pounders. Traditional farming methods would need 440,000 cows. Folks, think about that. Think about that. That you're talking about the end of farming on land. I did go into some meat publications online <laughs> really? from like Kansas. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this. Part of it is just because of farming. There's the whole ritual of the cow, the whole ritual of farming and the circle of life and everything. But this is uh, totally upending it. But, but to be fair, most farming is not circle of life. We, the cows by name. This true. is like large-scale industrial farming. It's already been Yeah, it's that whole secret to some degree, right? has been ruined. And the big argument, really, that the, the Kansas beef growers and some of these other groups were saying was, you're going to ruin our way of life. That the land that we have these cows on really can't be used for anything else. It's too thin, the soil, for tilling. And what are you doing? Now... I don't know if you can argue with that, but my feeling about it is basically you could just say... Uh, what, do you, what did you say to the tobacco farmer who said, why are you stopping? That's true. Keep smoking because my livelihood depends right. on it. There are better ways to use the land than large-scale feedlots. So I, I, I don't know if that argument holds a lot of water. At some point, in order to avert climate catastrophe, we have to do things for the greater good. And if that means different kinds of food, then sure. I think this seems like this would be, out of all things, with climate change and everything, this is a fairly easy layout. Yeah. You're talking, farmers already get money for not growing things. Yeah. And so this is just a natural extension of that. So I think you're 100% right about that. From a marketing standpoint, yeah, we're just going to have to learn how to embrace this brave new world. I think the writing's on the wall to some degree that these practices are not sustainable. Whether you are willing to eat uh, a plant-based protein as opposed to a fabricated protein, for lack of a better word, tough call, really. comes down to who basically can produce the better-tasting burger. That's basically it. Or if you go to a cafeteria and order a burger, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, how many cafeterias have... The menu or the source of the burger and, you know, the farm where it came from, they don't. It's just you order a burger and it comes between two patties and a tomato and onion. If you don't know what it is and it tastes like a burger, you wouldn't care. I'm sure you would care if you went to a store and saw the packaging and it said vegan burger. Right. And if if you have strong feelings about that, you would go against it or you wouldn't buy it. Right. Uh, if you didn't know what you were buying, I, I, I don't think many people would care. And I think that's the future because places like McDonald's and Burger King and Cisco, the big food service provider that supplies canteens and cafeterias everywhere, they're going to eventually switch without making a big deal out of it. Right. You probably, you know, it'll be quiet. And before you know it, the whole, a lot of us would have transitioned to lab-grown meat or vegan meat without even knowing it. That's an excellent point. So, folks, we're going to leave it at that because I don't think we can talk about this anymore. (laughs) 
So get yourself an Impossible Burger or Beyond Me for Beyond Me. Yeah, prove prove us wrong. I guess the the final uh, count is that we both feel like if we had it on its own, if we didn't know that that's what it was and yeah. we ate it, none the wiser. Everything else, opening it up, yes, you can tell it's created. And, uh, and can it replace traditional ground beef? Probably. This yeah. is the future. So... All right. We'd love to hear from you what you think. And I want to thank you. And uh, again, sorry for one day delay, but we had we had to let it all settle in our stomachs before we could come back to you and tell you how good those burgers are. We'll catch you a little later on this week with another edition of Strung Out. By the way, our 60th podcast. So hooray for us. All right. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. It's all so wrong, it's pain we feel, makes no sense at all. A swan song was a part of the deal, was no good at all. Giving out joys, giving us